to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another thrilling and highly thought-provoking Thursday for Torch Report 485 in defense of my liberal friends. Now, friends, if you don't like liberals, you really do need to hear this, you need to read this, you need to listen carefully. This is very, very important to the future of our country. This uh, report today is going to be a little bit longer. Podcast is going to be a little bit longer. It's spurred on by several recent conversations I've had. One uh, particularly outstanding article on liberty I recently read and the fact that every time I make the distinction between religious and spiritual awareness, I lose subscribers. So I think there are some things that need to be said here. I'm going to be separating the wheat from the chaff, if you will. Uh, And by the way, like I said, this is going to get deep. So just please bear with me here. Uh, I mean, we could be we could be talking about the ongoing political circus. We could be talking about the White House launching its national strategy to counter Islamophobia or the latest migrant caravan invading our southern border. Or, you know, the fact that Oregon just dropped all the graduation standards in the name of equity. Or or how the Pope is currently rewriting theology to foment a paradigm shift that aligns with people's lived experience. Friends, we could be talking about the ongoing unraveling of the great COVID cover-up or the neurological complications soaring among the heavily vaxxed percentage of the population or the current renewable massacre of climate projects that are fundamentally broken. But honestly, honestly, none of this is going to help us resist the global cabal. None of it's going to help us resist the onslaught of weaponized AI, the subconscious taming of humanity, or the political corruption that is bankrupting our country, fleecing we the American people, and fundamentally transforming America into a techno-dystopian Marxist hell. <laughs> no, my friends, if we want to overcome any and all of that, any of these issues, really we need to turn our attention to some deeper matters. In order to overcome the tyranny and evil of our time, and I do mean evil, we need to band together with with other Americans who still value life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, even in the midst of current chaos, even if we disagree uh, on a lot of things. Friends, we need to stand and fight alongside people we disagree with. It is absolutely critical. And to do so, we must move beyond the shallow dichotomies of the two-party system. We must fundamentally reject the mental cages of party platforms and rethink how best to move forward. What does justice and liberty for all actually look like? What does justice and liberty for all actually look like? Well, you know, for one thing, justice and liberty for all must be fundamentally rooted in mutual respect. Without mutual respect, we have no functional relationship, and therefore the social fabric falls apart, right? Our communities implode into these nasty, contentious, bitter places to live. And does that sound familiar? <laughs> kind of seems like our country is, is in this nasty, contentious, bitter divide right now, not by accident. And thus, it is in the name of mutual respect that I intend to defend those whom I disagree with. 
I do so out of respect for their humanity, in light of my own faults and my own limited understanding, in an effort to forge a path into the great unknown. Let me ask you, is it possible for liberals and conservatives to work together to save our country? Is it possible for liberals and conservatives to work together to save our country? Friends, is it possible? Before moving on, I just want to sit with that for a bit. Take a deep breath. Is it possible? Can liberals and conservatives come together to save the United States of America? Friends, if your answer is no, then we've already lost, period. Let that sink in. Now, recently, a friend, uh, a liberal friend, yes, a liberal in the classical sense of the word, noted that I often remark about liberty-loving conservatives, but I seldom remark about liberty-loving liberals. And my friend prodded me for an explanation on this. Are there any liberty-loving liberals out there, Luke? Come on, tell me. Well, of course there are. Are there a lot of delusional liberals out there? Well, yeah, of course there are. But the exact same thing can be said of conservatives as well, right? So people are people. People are different. Humanity is messy, but humanity is majestic. There is more that unites us as human beings than there is that divides us. We have uh, in common, a substantially greater amount of things than all of our petty differences combined. As human beings, we are born free, with free will, with the power of choice, with our own infinitely unique character and personalities, with our own set of preferences and proclivities, with our own strengths and weaknesses, and our, of course, our own laundry list of personal problems, right? We've all got issues. Uh, and this is a good thing, is it not, that we're all a little bit different? Can't we celebrate the fact that we're not all the same? Isn't the infinite diversity and complexity of our shared humanity a good thing? I think life would be pretty damn boring if it was any other way, right? If we were all the same, we all believe the same. Like, come on, how boring is that? I mean, that's exactly what the globalists are trying to achieve, is to make everybody believe that we all share the same values. We don't, and we never will. Now, with that said... I want to flesh out some definitions here for the sake of clarity. What is a liberal? And I want to move beyond the shallow labels, and I want to offer uh, some exceptional insight of a PhD political economist named Toby Roberts. Uh, I'm sorry, Rogers. And I think, uh, you know, undoubtedly, uh, Dr. Toby Rogers, he has a deeper understanding of the term liberalism than I do. And Dr. Rogers, when he's not out there organizing grassroots efforts to defend medical freedom, he pens his own substack. I put a link in there. You might check it out. Uh, in a meaty piece, he titled, you know, Did Liberalism Fail? He spells out the definition of liberalism. Says Dr. Toby Rogers, he says, liberalism has two branches political liberalism, and economic liberalism. Most everyone likes political liberalism, or at least they did before COVID. He says that political liberalism stands for freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, constitution, courts, and the rule of law, elections, government by the consent of the governed. And these are all, of course, huge improvements, says Dr. Rogers. These are huge improvements over rule by kings, pharaohs, or priests. I agree. Do you agree? 
you know? And then he goes on to say that political liberalism, it tends to produce economic liberalism. Economic liberalism is the, the, the freedom to trade, free markets, the right to private property, the right to make money, the right to entrepreneurship. Everyone is motivated by money, says Dr. Rogers, to some extent, even if that's not always the deciding factor. And so politically, free people generally demand economic freedoms. So that's a little excerpt from uh, Dr. Rogers' Did Liberalism Fail? essay. And what can we learn from this little excerpt here? Well, we learn that in the mind of educated liberals, liberalism stands for freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, the constitution and the rule of law, governance, government by the consent of the governed, the freedom to trade in open markets, the right to private property, the right to make money via the entrepreneurial spirit. And you know what? That sounds pretty damn spot on to me. That sounds pretty American, does it not? Now, to be sure, as Dr. Rogers makes clear in his essay, modern liberalism, which he calls progressivism, it's deviated significantly from these norms. Many, if not most, of those who wear the liberal label, uh, today they openly scoff at these values. And kind of in a strange and interesting twist, many conservatives have also abandoned their values in much the same way. And, you know, all of this just seemed to have happened at the onset of the pandemic. As Dr. Rogers observed, he says, in the space of just 75 days at the start of 2020, Political liberalism disappeared from the United States, Europe, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Freedom of speech? Gone. Freedom of assembly? Gone. The Constitution? Gone. With nary a word of protest from the so-called liberals, what we now call progressives in our society. He goes on to say economic liberalism disappeared shortly thereafter. The global economy was turned off in March of 2020. Multinational corporations like Amazon, Target, Home Depot, they were given special status. While small businesses were closed, many of them permanently, property owners were barred from collecting rent. Unelected bureaucrats divided the workforce into essential and non-essential. Government took over the economy and flooded it with newly printed money, triggering a massive increase in inflation with nary a word of protest from classical economic liberals what we now call conservatives in the USA, period, end quote. I think, again, a spot-on observation. The question comes, why did liberals and conservatives both roll over and abandon their long-held traditional values? Why did the majority of liberals who ostensibly value free speech and the right to bodily autonomy suddenly turn into a bunch of raving lunatics who wants to silence anyone who speaks out against the narrative and stab everyone with an experimental objection? What the hell's going on? You know, why did the majority of conservatives, especially God-fearing Christians who ostensibly believe it is for freedom that he set us free and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and God has not given us a spirit of fear. Why? Did these God-fearing Christians casually accept the closure of their churches, the separation of their loved ones, and the rest of the insanity? Friends, in short, why were so many people, the vast majority of people by far, on both ends of the spectrum, so quick 
to cower in fear of an invisible enemy and place their faith in a tyrannical state. Now, if you've been with me, of course, the answer is because of psychological warfare works. <laughs> we know that, but I want to set that aside for today. Dr. Toby Rogers, uh, he was pressing into the unknown in his essay, seeking a path forward. We can't go back to the way it was, so what does the future look like? He's a liberal, okay? Now, I am pressing into the unknown, seeking a path forward, but I am not a liberal, and yet I agree with his astute analysis. Friends, generally, I, I reject political labels. I consider myself to be a, a political mutt of sorts. I am a fiscally conservative, socially conscious, politically independent thinker with a libertarian bent. I stand in the gap between conditioned party politics. I believe personally, out of respect for my fellow human beings, that I must accept that people are different, that people don't agree, and that people have the right to do things their own damn way. I believe you know, <laughs> uh, perhaps naively that the majority of people would agree with that, right? If, if we're to have a difference of opinion on any particular issue, if I were to have a difference of opinion on any particular issue with someone, I have the right to express that. Now, I might have a desire to discuss and to try to persuade someone to come around to my way of thinking, but because we're all fundamentally different, I really have no ability to control or force another person to accept my worldview. And that just sounds fair, right? I mean, that's kind of just the way it is. And so, again, perhaps naively, I do believe that the majority of people who consider themselves liberals, as well as the majority of people who consider themselves conservatives, can understand where I'm coming from when I share this sentiment. In fact, I think a majority of people probably do share this sentiment, though we've kind of been shamed into saying it out loud. So what's the holdup, really? right? What's all the bickering? Why the bitter political divide? And the answer is because we are being divided. We are being conditioned and we have been heavily conditioned our entire lives to align ourselves with party values and accept party platforms. Friends, this is a trap. Party values are not human values and party platforms do little more than enshrine societal divisions. When a Democrat hears the word Republican, you know, they instantly conjure up an image of some sort of racist, Christian, white supremacist, some greedy capitalist, right? And, you know, simultaneously or similarly, when a Republican hears the word Democrat, they instantly conjure up an image of some sort of baby-killing, pink-haired, butch, gender-queer, environmental wacko, <laughs> you know? But the point is, neither perception is accurate or true. At least not all the time. Maybe sometimes, but not generally speaking. The labels, which are really just words, the Republican and, and Democrat, the, the liberal and conservative and all of that, these labels are just words. And they're linked to generalizations that immediately and severely distort reality, kind of a knee-jerk reaction to interpret it the way we've been conditioned to interpret it, to feel about these labels the way that we do. Okay? People are people. People are not Democrats or Republican. People are people. People are different. There are evil people, don't get me wrong, but most people are good. Most people are good, you know? Most liberals are good people. Most conservatives are good people. 
And it is absolutely critical to the future of our country that we learn to look beyond the labels, that we learn to resist and to reject the conditioned response to such words, liberal, conservative, nah, 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 you know. Now, friends, I am well aware, I fully understand that I'm addressing a mostly Christian conservative audience with a, uh, you know, a few intellectually honest liberals and a smattering of libertarians lurking within the crowd. Uh, it's, it's vitally important to realize that regardless of the labels, as Dr. Rogers just spelled out to all my Christian brothers and sisters in the crowd, you know, we must realize that despite our differences in beliefs, we share a basic and innate urge for freedom. That is our common ground. Now, I think, you know, all of that said here, I'm going to press into the sticky just a little bit, <laughs> okay? Bear with me. Most people are good. Would you agree? Well, I think most people would agree with that statement, right? Now, I'm going to carry this on, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to be pushing buttons on both ends of the spectrum here. So just, again, bear with me. Most people are good. We agree. Most people are good. So then, by extension, that means there are good people who choose to have abortions for valid reasons. Would you agree? There are good people trying to reduce pollution and preserve our planetary resources. Would you agree? There are good people who are bona fide Bible-thumping Jesus freaks, and they're proud of it. Would you agree? There are good people who are utterly agnostic or who reject religion altogether. Would you agree? Friends, there are good people who are Muslims and Hindus and Taoists and Mormons and Baptists and Buddhists and Wiccans and Gypsies and Jews. Would you agree? Put differently, would you agree that there are people with vastly different belief systems who are still good people, who share our desire to live as free human beings. Friends, despite our different convictions, I wholeheartedly believe this is true. Uh, you know, really, who the hell am I to arrogantly dismiss the different beliefs of everyone else on the planet who believes something different, right? You know, I mean, I might, I might not agree. I might choose to challenge some of these beliefs. I, I might uh, choose to passionately debate any particular philosophical point. But at the end of the day, I must acknowledge that I am debating another human being, that mutual respect puts an end to perpetual conflict. Now, recently I was uh, enjoying a great conversation with a liberal from New York City. One time I, I had a very enriching conversation with a Muslim man, an Islamic man, on a six-hour plane ride. Last week, I had a heart-to-heart -heart with a hardcore feminist. In every case, despite our vast differences of opinion, I was able to establish an authentic connection through mutual respect, forego the political bickering, and establish common ground in our shared humanity and our shared desire to be free. And by doing so, the conversation was elevated in a meaningful way. And I want to share that with you just to prove that it is possible. Now, it's not easy, but it is possible. In defense of my liberal friends, there's one thing that needs to get said, one thing that very few conservatives would dare to say out loud. There are good people who do not believe in God. 
Okay, that's the number one dividing issue between liberals and conservatives. There are good people who do not believe in God, at least not in the way, uh, in the traditional Christian understanding. There are good people who do not believe in God. There are good people who do not believe the Bible. There are good people who do not go to church. There are good people who don't believe Jesus Christ rose from the grave. There are good people who don't believe the world was created in six days. There are good people with radically different beliefs about where we came from and what happens when we die and what the meaning of life is really all about. And if you cannot accept this fact, please feel free to unsubscribe. But before you do, friends, I ask one thing. Ask God, has anything I've said been wrong? Did God not create the liberals too, and the Muslims and the Jews, etc.? Friends, know this. Life is good. People are good. People are different, and we need to look beyond religion if we intend to get out of the political mess that we're in. Religion divides us. Politi politics divide us. But the spirit of our shared humanity unites us against a common enemy. United we stand, divided we fall, and that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, I've spoke my mind with humility from the heart. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to go to the website, thetorchreport.com. Find the heart. Click the heart. Give me some love. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this thrilling, thought-provoking Thursday. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.